Welcome to season two of the Connect FCS Ed podcast. Each episode is geared towards recruiting, supporting, and retaining past, current, and future professional family and consumer sciences educators. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to boldly celebrate families and careers with you. Hi, and welcome back to the Connect FCS Ed podcast. I am so grateful to have you listening. So welcome back to our series of introducing FCCLA. Today's episode will be how in the world do you integrate FCCLA into our FCS classrooms? So I have two amazing guests with me today. I have Sherry Vogel, who is in her 33rd year of teaching, as well as 29th year of being an FCCLA advisor. Wow, that is a lot of years and experience. So I'm grateful to have her join, along with Miss Elena Tharp, who has been on the podcast before. So I'm really excited to welcome her back. And Elena is in her fifth year teaching, along with fifth year FCCLA advisor, but she has a really neat background because she was a student in high school doing FCCLA as well. So I have a plethora of goodies to share with you just between these two ladies. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, I guess, first of all, Sherry, how did you buy into FCCLA? Because 33 years, that's a long time. I, I am a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I, unlike Elena, I was not exposed to FCCLA when I was in high school. And so my first foray into FCCLA, FHA back in the day, was in college when it was introduced to me in college. And I really found that I thought this it looks like a really good program to be in. And in my first couple of years, I did not have an FCCLA chapter in the school that I was in. And so I had transferred to a different school and just thought that this would be something to um, jazz up our program. And so I was allowed to start a chapter and it's just been gangbusters ever since. So i learned a lot from a lot of great mentors that I had. So, and some of those um, are of course retired now and some of them are still, still teaching. And I learn things every day, even from uh, our young uh, FCCLA advisors that are out there too. So yeah, that my buy-in was, has always been my students and what has, what's the best for them. So. And Elena, you were already bought in <laughs> being a student. So what made you want to continue doing FCCLA going into the classroom? Um, I think one of the biggest reasons that I was so eager to get started quickly, I was a four-year member in high school, but I really didn't take that full-on leap and really get extremely active until my senior year. And by that time, you're out of time. So Um, I was just super excited to be able to get back um, my first teaching job and FCCLA chapter was the chapter that I was a part of. So I had kind of fell dormant for a little bit and I was able to bring it back and just being able to share, you know, little experiences. I think not only working with the students, you know, on their projects and getting to know them, but being able to be that person or, you know, have that program that allows them to travel, allows them to 
you know, sometimes leave their city, their county, their state. And those skills that they learn just by, you know, traveling this past weekend, I traveled by myself to the National Fall Conference and I'm sitting there going, oh, this is, I'm 31 and I'm kind of nervous to travel by myself. But, you know, to be able to take kids that don't get that opportunity or expose them to other, you know, programs, it's just, it's just so wide open. There's so many opportunities. And that's what I was really looking forward to is just giving that opportunity to my students that my teacher gave me. And, you know, that, that was just, that was my driving force. Oh, I love that. You had the background of being exposed to FCCLA. I didn't. So I'm in my fifth year of teaching. And again, I know with Sherry, she touched on it saying she's learning something new every single day. I swear I'm learning something new every single day as well. I don't think there will ever be a day (laughs) in my teaching career that I will be like, oh, this is old hat. (laughs) But I think that's what makes FCS teaching so different compared, you know, I, other teachers learn something every day, but we just have that wide perspective of what we teach and the kids that we see and get to do. We just, I feel like we have that open door of always learning something new. Exactly. Well, being a newer teacher, let's kind of go back into our first time experiences of being a brand new teacher. Do you have any words of wisdom on how we can start integrating FCCLA into the classroom on day one? I think that a lot of times people want to start out and do it all. And FCCLA has so many things that they can offer from competitive events and national programs and, you know, leadership opportunities for the kids. And it's hard to pick and choose what you want to do first. It all looks so interesting that it is, it can sometimes be overwhelming for that new person or that new advisor that's first stepping in. And I guess my motto has always been, you know, you want to work smarter and not harder. And I believe that FCCLA does that for our FCS uh, advisors in the classroom. So I, I think one of the best places to start integrating is looking at maybe one of the national programs that you feel that reflects in your classroom the best. And maybe that's Families First. You know, there's eight national programs that you can choose from. And you can integrate probably every, or that national program into every one of your classes. And so I think that's a good way to begin. And you can begin small and then continue to build up every year with what you're doing. Yeah. And Elena, what, do you have any advice? Um, Yeah. I shared earlier with you guys, my story of thinking that I could, you know, grab the bull by the horns my first year as an advisor and teacher. And I'm like, you know, I I know what these projects are. Let's do them and start small. I, you know, I tried to do six my first year and found that we were only successful with one. So don't feel like you have to, you know, like Sherry said, there's so many opportunities, but start small and almost think quality, not quantity. I kind of, I incorporate chapter service projects first. Well, I guess when we first, you know, I think maybe just exposing them to FCCLA. So having that in your classroom, having the emblem up, having the creed, you know, the mission, everything up so that that the kids see it, Um, you know, wearing FCCLA attire that just, it's, it becomes familiar with them. It becomes a logo that they recognize and they connect with your classroom. And then I always use that step one 
process. And then I've tweaked it and made it into games and different searches and things just to kind of get the kids to know what it is. But then bringing in chapter service projects is one of my first things I do. You know, a lot of times our schools and our students have already completed or they already do this or it's an annual thing, but maybe no one really takes the lead on it. So this gives you an opportunity to, hey, you know, I've got some kids that are interested in FCCLA. Can we run this canned food drive? Can we help with this? Can we do this? So that way you're using all the kids in, or, you know, all of your students in your class and you're getting that, you know, exposure and you can still turn that into a project. I think too, a lot of, a lot of the projects that kids do are an outgrowth of things that have happened maybe in your community. Our school has been very active with FACTS program for the families acting for community traffic safety because of some, unfortunately, accidents that have happened in our school, traffic safety things. And so many of the programs might just be an outgrowth of something that has happened in your community, or maybe there's a group of kids that want to focus on this one thing. And so, yeah, that you sometimes, sometimes it just picks up because of what the kids want to do. And I think, again, that's always important is looking at what your members are interested in. Um, because if you're pushing something as the advisor, it's not going to work unless the kids are going to buy into that. So it's always important to ask the kids, what are they interested in? This is student-led leadership. So, you know, it should come from the students. Yeah. Well, when it comes to student-led leadership, what, from both of your experiences, what has been the favorite project? Um, from from my, from my end, my kids love star events, and that's kind of what we have focused on um, in that in the competitive events uh, arena. But, you know, I integrate the star events there. Again, there's so many different kinds of star events that you can do. And my students have always been really good about, um, you know, taking the bull by the horns and, and doing that, um, those kind of things. But integrating star events into your classroom is probably one of the simplest things that you can do. For instance, professional presentation, we all do those in our classroom. And you know, you're, you're picking a topic and kids present on the topic. So you can actually use the rubrics from the competitive events guide and put that into your classroom. In my comprehensive FCS class, I use the career investigation star event and in my careers unit, and that's their final project for, for that unit. So it's super simple to integrate those kind of things. I teach a sports nutrition class and the sports nutrition star event is their final project. In our food science class, it's the food innovations star event. So, you know, we tweak them a little bit, but you know, the kids have no idea that they're even doing star events. And so I might see some of those that are really great projects and say, hey, this would be great to take on, you know, into our uh, district or state competition. I agree. I use some of the same projects in the same class. So like my food science, we do that food innovations, career and college readiness. We use the career investigation and job interview. So just, you know, starting small, I would, you know, I add, I think I add one every year, at least I tried to. So my first year, I really tried to push power of one, not, I guess not pushing, but putting it into those classes, five parts. And it's almost, I want to say like many projects put together. So now that's my kind of go-to of child development because I have found where it fits really well into my curriculum. And so we do these many projects and at the end, there's only one left and it's, you know, speak out for FCCLA and it falls in your court. Now, what is, what can you do? And, you know, sometimes that's um, 
running something for FCCLA week or it's helping with the dine-in for FCC, FCS day, the FCCLA our chapter sponsor. So it's just kind of leaving it up to them. You know, hey, do you want to, you want to continue, you know, kind of like, hey, you've done really well. Do you want to carry this on? But yeah, just kind of not sneaking it in, but sneaking it in so the kids don't necessarily, you know, if they aren't 100% buying into the FCCLA concept just yet, once they do it and they get it in there, they're like, hey, I want you to, you know, would you like to represent our school? And then they're kind of like, oh, I'm special. And then, you know, I found my students this year are blazer and jackets. They are like super excited. They're like, we feel powerful in these. And I'm like, you get to wear one of these and you get to go to regional and you get to compete and we get to compete. And so it's just kind of slowly adding it in and, you know, just watching that excitement go. And then I found in previous years, once they go and they get a little taste of it, they want more. I love that. So I've been a co-chair for with FCCLA and my my department head Shanda. She has been taking care of FCCLA at our school, and she is doing a an amazing job. And not to mention, she has had two of the national officers of VP of development. So she's, she's had to learn a lot in a short amount of time as well, along with everything that goes with having a national officer. My dear friend, Amber, who she used to live in my community over at a neighboring school where my, my daughters uh, attend, they didn't have FCCLA. And that was kind of one of the, the deals was you have to start an FCCLA chapter or ProStart or something along those lines of a CTSO. And so she's like, okay, well, because she has FCCLA and and me being that connection, Shanda was able to mentor Amber starting an FCCLA chapter. And Shanda said exactly what you two are saying. Start off with a community service project. Get that buy-in, get that hook. And so my daughter, who <laughs> I didn't give her the option, it was her, oh gosh, it was her freshman or her sophomore year. I don't know. It was, it was whenever COVID did not impact <laughs> the school year. And um, I told Aubrey, I'm like, it's either you're doing, actually, no, you don't have an option. You're doing FCCLA and you're going to be with Amber. And she's like, mom, she was angry with me, but The community service project, they partnered up with Boys and Girls Club in our community, and Aubrey loved it. She didn't have any idea that she would actually enjoy it as much as she did, and it gave her, she she was fulfilled doing something along those lines. We had our (laughs) uh, Gertrude, she was our uh, 28-year-old Quaker parakeet who was my 13th birthday present. So she was, we've always, we always called her a dinosaur, but Aubrey would take Gertie to boys and girls club as kind of show and tell. And Gertie, she loved it. Also at the same time, hated it, (laughs) but Aubrey would show and tell the bird and she would end up reading to the students or the kids in the Boys and Girls Club uh, after school program. And she she was fulfilled by that. And she was like, this is, com- this is what community service is? Oh, I can do that. And it was such a satisfaction. And for her then to go on, she didn't do any of the competitive stuff or it was just the, the base, the basics. 
they went to regional and she got exposed to something completely different than in where she thought, uh, no way, I would never want to do that. Is she doing FCCLA this year? No, but she was exposed to something different and she has fond memories of it. And I think that's where, that's where it counts, where we're all, uh, we're all about wanting to expose different elements of our programs to students and giving them opportunities. That's what I love about FCCLA though. There's, you know, like Sherry said, there is a huge number of things that, you know, members and students can get active in within FCCLA, but their programs and star events, they're left pretty wide open. So there is not like a direct path, like this is what you have to do and this is what you have to bring and this is a project that we want to see. Is there a rubric? Yes, but it is very so user-friendly. Like, I, you know, sometimes I have kids that are like, I want to do this. And then they're like, well, what project is that? And it's, we like, well, let's start taking a look because sometimes you fit the project to the, pro- you, you know, your idea to the project. Sometimes it's not, oh, I got this project and I have to think of an idea. What's nice about it is, they can think of ideas first and then sometimes reel it back into what project that works best with. So it's just, it's a, there's just so many opportunities and you can go so many ways with it. I think well, another thing too with integration is to look at what your state is offering um, to the members. Um, in Iowa, we do a lot of peer education projects and that's a huge program in, in our state. And we focus on some different national programs um, with that, and our our members are doing three projects throughout the year, and you know these are projects that our state officers spearhead, and then um, the kids can kind of come up with a couple other others on their own, and then they get recognized at the state conference for that. Super simple kinds of things, easy easy kind of things to do. We also have our own state competitive events, and you know they're they're kind of fun, um, like a fifteen dollar wardrobe challenge or a cake decorating contest or a $10 meal challenge, just things like that. And it gets kids interested in that. If, you know, if a kid's not really full on with the competitive kind of things, there's, there's another opportunity for them. And so many states offer those kinds of things. So look at what the state is offering too. And that's another kind of integration thing into your classroom. Like my food and nutrition um, class is going to do the $10 meal challenge. So um, by the, by the time state conference rolls around, my kids will already have that completed. So it's it's an easy way to integrate into the classroom again. So again, working smarter and not harder, I guess. Say that, and with the states, I know um, I'm from Ohio, and our state has went through there so nice, and they have taken every star event and they've aligned it to our standards. So there is like a PDF that you can pull up and it'll tell you food innovations covers, and I'm just throwing this number out, like 85% of the standards in food science. So it's broken down by course and then what projects cover and how many standards or percentage of standards that are covered. So, you know, like Sherry said, some of these, these are my final projects. These are my final, you know, assignments and it's a great way for them to showcase the skills that they've learned and also you know, like Sherry said, you can take those really great projects and turn those into FCCLA projects and get those kids that recognition. So we're talking about student recognition. How about advisor recognition? Is there like mentor trainings for those new FCCLA advisors? I know with Amber being a brand new FCCLA advisor, she was able to connect with Shanda 
And, but I don't know if there's anything else out there like that. Can, is there something? I think one of the nice things about FCCLA is that the advisor is so thought of so highly and um, nationals really takes care of us in what we need as far as some of our professional development training. One of the things that I would recommend to new advisors is they get involved in the advisor academy. And right now we have three tracks for the advisor academy. There is academy one, which I'll let Elaine talk about because she's the one doing that one. So Elena, why don't you talk about that one? Then I'll talk about number two. Um, so on track one, we're just kind of looking at how does a chapter get started? How's it formed? We look at budgets. You know, we look at the program of work, which is essentially like a big calendar where you put everything out that you want to do for the year. And as an advisor, first couple, you know, as a new advisor, I sometimes and I, I'm, I still consider myself new, I fill it out for myself. So I know what's going on. And then you turn it over to your officers or you give them the blank copy and they add in the stuff that they want. Just so I kind of, I can, you know, ballpark picture what the year is going to look like on my end and then see what they come up with. But just planning out the year, really looking at how to recruit members. So how are you getting those members to join? What is it that you're doing? Are you doing a kickoff? Are you doing a display at eighth grade? you know, like that orientation when they get ready to come up to the high school? Are you doing something at back to school night? Just really kind of looking at those, making strong bones in a chapter of how you can really get it formed, how you can get it started. And then you can lead on to Sherry's track and really expand that. So I do track five and uh, this as a national consultant, Elena and I are kind of the ones that are overseeing this for our advisors in the, in the nation. And so uh, track two is basically for advisors that have five plus years of experience in FCCLA. So it's a little bit more advanced with that. Again, kind of talking about what we're talking about tonight with uh, integrating programs into your chapter, um, a little bit more on chapter management, maybe more fundraising. Um, and so that there's a a lot of great interaction between um, the advisors. There's lots of networking opportunities and there's so many things that advisors can learn from each other through the advisor academy. So that would definitely be a great training and another opportunity to learn from other, other advisors from across the nation too. Something new that Nationals has done this year also is there is a post-secondary track for the college students. So that's a great way to get them involved um, as well. So I say that one of the biggest things I think from getting from all this, you know, mentor training and just, you know, learning that groups in and out of FCCLA is just that networking piece, you know, just talking to other advisors, really sharing that idea. And, you know, I think sometimes we're our own self-help motivation group. I know Sherry and I last year, you know, got to meet each other virtually, but we got to meet up in person for a real short period of time short. in Nashville this year. Very, very short. Very um, short. I think enough to get a picture and be like, hey, we met each other, hugged. <laughs> Goodbye. But being able to, you know, she's in Iowa. I'm in Ohio. We're able, you know, we have our, each other's number. We're able, you know, if something comes up, Sherry's probably going to hate that I say this, but I found this round table book from 2003 from my old teacher. I saw your <laughs> name in there. <laughs> Right. I told and you I was a been, dinosaur. That would have been my eighth grade year. 
before I was even exposed to FCCLA, she was rocking it. So (laughs) it's just really cool to have this network that you build. And I'm really excited this year with, you know, last year with COVID, we had to learn how to do Advisor Academy virtually because typically it used to be an in-person thing. But this year, you know, we're trying some new things and new platforms that are really going to open up the door to better networking, I think, with advisors. One of the things I, I did attract one last year and it was, I, I got, I meet someone who was also doing food science and my food science class is relatively new, but someone that was doing advisor academy was a food science teacher as well. And so she sent me her entire curriculum and it's like, wow, you know, here's an opportunity to, you know, know and ask questions of somebody who's actually doing those kinds of things. So the project ideas and the the things that you get from other advisors is just fantastic. So another opportunity I would suggest that um, advisors attend is the Advisor Summit, which will be in January this year in San Diego. So if you can get your school to uh, let you attend that, probably some of the best professional development that you'll get as an FCCLA advisor is going to to that. Just a great opportunity for three days worth of great learning about FCCLA. So yeah, I would definitely and highly recommend the Advisor Summit in January. I'm jealous. I would love to go to, I would love to go to San Diego. <laughs> we, well, we have some great travel places, let me tell you. <laughs> well, that alone, I think that's an incentive. That's the incentive for me. I'm like, oh, I want to go. I want to go to New Orleans. Oh, I want to go to San Diego. I want to go to these places. How do I get involved? <laughs> well, but you guys, you both kind of brought up the collegiate level. So there are collegiate FCCLA programs. There are. Um, I want to say there's not enough. We really, I think we're coming to, you have, you know, the backgrounds. I was an FCCLA kid. I knew what it was. Sherry did not. And sometimes I think we need to get more FCCLA built into our post-secondary programs that we have teachers that, you know, first year teaching is hard enough, but if we have them kind of prepared for FCCLA and there's not that like hurdle of it. Like, okay, my my first year teaching and I have to do this, you know, it kind of, and what pulls in that integration, like if you're, if you know about it and you're familiar with the project, it's not going to take you five years like me to get a project integrated into every one of your classes. You know, you're going to be able to have that exposure and start working on that. So when you're doing your student teaching, you have that experience. I know there's a university in Ohio that's really, um, the students are really trying to push to get a collegiate chapter start and it's it's exciting because these are our, these are our future teachers and them being able to give back and kind of help out at the state level you know with a regional level or a local level and figure out what these projects are like or what FCCLA is before they get into the classroom I just I think that's just going to prepare them so much more than trying to backtrack and try to get it all to fit together. In the state of Iowa, Iowa State is the only college that will um, give an FCS endorsement or a, the teaching credential out. So we have um, a fantastic person uh, at our college level who has been an advisor for a couple of years, and then she went to teach at, at the college. So she is always bringing in advisors to talk about FCCLA. Our FCS students in the college level are also judging star events. So they're getting exposed to that. I know that Laura, who's our person who teaches at Iowa State, also has them do some of those FCCLA projects in the national programs. And she's always exposing them to that. And one of the things 
great that Iowa State does is that when they go out to student teach, they have to student teach in a place that has an FCCLA program. So that's a great thing for any college student to do. And that's again, where I was exposed to that. In fact, I'm actually teaching in the place where I was student teaching um, and was exposed to FCCLA. And so my student cooperating teacher was, is still around in the community. So she always uh, mentions to me, she loves seeing all that FCCLA stuff that we put in the paper and all the public relations things that we do. So um, yeah, there's so many opportunities um, on the collegiate level that, and I agree with Elena um, wholeheartedly that once we get that pushed more into the college level, that we're going to just make so strong super advisors out of some of those um, student teachers. So that's a great thing. Well, I just loved hearing that Iowa, that that is a requirement for your FCS student teachers that they go to a school to do their their student uh, their student hours their student teaching where there is a an FCCLA program that is present because you guys are absolutely on on the target saying that that is the best way to really prepare them for the road ahead. I was lucky enough to have a student teacher last year and she was with me. Usually you get two placements, but she wanted to stay with me the whole 16 weeks. And so she really got her eyes and ears full of uh, FCCLA things that we were doing. And um, she got to judge star events again. So she had two years of judging star events and she's a brand new teacher her first year. And I was so happy to see her revise an old program here in the state of Iowa and she had kids at our fall kickoff and so I was I was really happy to see that so it it does work yeah and I think where you hit where your student teacher evaluated projects I think that's one way really to to learn about the other all the projects and opportunities you just going and seeing I mean when you evaluate you get to see maybe 10 you know, five to 10, if not more projects in one day. And really there's not too many projects that you're like, I just saw this project, a lot of different outlooks. And you can see how this project can be turned and, you know, shaped and molded um, to fit your particular students in your classroom. So just getting connected, getting, building that networking, getting involved is really important as well as an advice for, you know, as an advisor duty. Well, that networking piece is, that's crucial for anybody's success in doing anything because we cannot learn how to do things on our own. We we can get kind of, I guess we could start off on those foundations, but my goodness, what if you start off the foundations wrong? You're having to relearn how to do everything. So finding those mentors, that's crucial. And you'll never do everything the same. I'm sure between both of your experiences, you've had probably the same project, but it has been done this way and that way and upside down by the student's interpretation of it. Every kid will look at something different and possibly even see a new piece. I've had students that are long graduated and one of the students, in fact, today um, just came up with their star event idea and it was exactly what one of these students, past graduate, had done before, but this student had taken a whole new spin on it. So yeah, there's lots of lots of opportunities to 
twist and turn everything that's out there. So one of my favorite things is kind of if you go and you do evaluate. I remember when I was a college student and I was evaluating projects, but I had the opportunity. It was funny. We had the same evaluation evaluating team for like three years. So we always had the same lead and she'd always get the, you know, recruit us. And I mean, and I, it was, it was two, two evaluators. We always got together and we had a bond and that was a good networking, but to see some projects, we saw kids that started projects as freshmen or even middle school, and then to watch them keep coming back year after year. And did they have the same project that the same concept that they always grew and it was so amazing to watch you know a freshman student evolve their project to a senior student project and just to watch that and that's what's really nice about these levels now that we have you know with our star events you know there's three levels but just to be able to see these kids really grow the projects I think you know they have those recurrent is just that's something special to see the person take a project and you saw it when they were just a little baby and then they kind of grew it and now it's just it's sometimes it's mind-blowing like this is what you've done and you're only a senior like what what are you going to tackle in your in your future life well as we wrap up this session what would you give a future FCS teacher or maybe the current first year second year or maybe 20th year (laughs) FCS teacher as they dive in deep to start exploring, creating a, their first chapter in FCCLA, can you give them any five quick takeaways? Is there anything you could give them? I think probably one of the things that I would suggest that they get is find someone in their area that can be a mentor to them and learn all they can from, from that person. Contact them if you have questions. Just kind of be the the bug for them and in. And just, you know, I don't understand this. Can you help me with this or um, those kind of things? I I think that's important. And and use those mentors as you can to ask questions. I would suggest also starting out small and and growing. I guess one of the things I did not do, I jumped in with both feet. And, you know, sometimes you get a little stale as you keep going. So you have to find some new things. So, and I know Elena has mentioned too, you know, start small and just keep growing. Find those things in FCCLA that are going to be a benefit to you and to your members and keep going and participate. That would be three things, I guess I would say. Attend national meetings, attend your state and district meetings uh, or regional meetings. Make it fun for the kids. And I think the kids will, the kids will follow. (laughs) Just to add to this, because those are all what I would say, but just also remember just to take care of yourself. Start, you know, again, start small, but, you know, set those boundaries don't burn out too quick. Um, I think a lot of times we do, we, we want to be so proactive that we find ourselves at the end of the year, like I'm not doing that again. Can't do that again. When really every year, maybe add a little bit more instead of going full force the first year. And that's, I'm in a unique situation where I'm starting a new chapter at a new school, a new district this year. So I've really had to, I'm, I'm used to like, okay, let's go bam, bam, bam. But I've had to slow down and kind of just take it slow. And so just, you know, taking it slow and just really just networking and, getting involved or just, I think those are some of the biggest things that you can do as a first year advisor or a new advisor. I love it. Well, ladies, this has been a privilege to hear your wisdom and be able to allow this podcast to be a vehicle to share your your wisdom and your voice to our FCCLA advisors and our future leaders of America. So thank you so much. This was a joy. We've learned a lot. 
there are your quick takeaways of start small, don't get burnt out, take care of yourself, network, your community is your driving force. And always to remember, make it fun. I love that. Thank you. And let's continue leading the way with our student success with FCS. We're better together. Barbara Scully from the Connect FCS Ed podcast presents a fresh take on recruitment and support for today's modern home economics educators in the family and consumer sciences, FCS Classroom, sharing insightful stories, strategies, and resources in a fun and sustainable and practical way. Each episode focuses on a different aspect of modern home economics. From community engagement, leadership, classroom management, to lessons and more, each episode brings a different perspective, offering expert professional development, interviews from a collaborative worldwide FCS community, with the hope that it will inspire and empower you to make informed decisions. Together, we are better at leading the way to student success with FCS.